Sorry, can't say. What's that word you use? Spoilers. I like that word. Hello and welcome to Spoiler Nation, the podcast where we have spoiler-filled discussions on your favorite and not so favorite movies and TV shows. My name is Howie, and I'm the senior editor at IsolatedNation.com. Reese will not be joining us today for our recap slash debrief of Westworld season two. In his stead is Matt, another film enthusiast on the Isolated Nation writing team. You're the um, Bernard replacement to <laughs> Reese's Arnold. You gave it a red hot crack, mate. I did. I did. That works. That analogy works. No, it works. I yeah. like it a lot. Um, you've written a great review of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. We, we don't. We don't need to uh... check that out, guys. <laughs> check out his body of work. <laughs> But uh, yeah, welcome, Matt, to the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me on, Howie. <laughs> so this is take two of our recording <laughs> yeah. of, this, of this podcast because, you know, we ran into some technical difficulties the last time. So hopefully this one makes it out to air. Yeah, yeah fingers <laughs> crossed, eh? So what we're going to be talking about today is, of course, Westworld. Did you ever stop to wonder about your actions? price you'd have to pay if there was a reckoning. That reckoning is here. You frighten me sometimes, Dolores. Why on earth would you ever be frightened of me? Uh, Matt, these violent delights will have <laughs> violent ends. I guess for the for our listeners to get a sense of who you are before we dive deep into the wonderful world of Westworld. Yeah. Let's get a sense of what you're into, I guess. Right. What are your favorite shows? Big fan of Sopranos, The Wire, probably say Seinfeld as well. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to round out the top three for me. And um, who is your favorite character in Westworld? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm tempted to say the man in black, but I feel like it's such a cop out. Why? Because he's he's like he's like the generic lad character. It's like what what every male watching it yeah. is going to be like. Yeah, man, that is so sick. That's who I'd be in Westworld. Hey, whatever uh, you know speaks to your heart, man. Nah, but I was I was saying I like I like Elsie. I thought she was a good a good little like addition to that to that uh, the coding team initially. Yeah. So. so you pick her as your favorite character on the show. Mm. A character that has nah, been nah, on the nah, show nah. for six episodes. Nah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to bounce it out, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. It's like, I'm feeling too bro-y going the man in black. I see, I see. So a combo of Elsie and the man in black. Yeah, a bit of a nod in there So, so well. wait, do you like the man in black uh, as um, before you found out he, he is also William or after? <laughs> No, I liked him before. Before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah not the wimpy side yeah, of him. Yeah, William is a dweeb, okay, though, isn't he? Okay, yeah, he is a bit, yeah. yeah he's a real Bazinga character. <laughs> oh, I see. I forgot what that show is called. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he's a real <laughs> Big Bang Theory type character. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. And also, of course, um, why do you hate superhero movies? Is it because you have no soul? Or what, <laughs> what is... What's the what's your problem? Oh look, I just like a little bit more um, substance. <laughs> All right, personally, yeah. Look, not you know, I, I get I get the switch off. You know, the switch off genre has to exist, 
But, yeah, no, they don't do a lot for me. You know, when I want to switch off, I'll go watch, like, Face Off or Die Hard. Right, right. Or Total Recall. I see. Yeah, no, I'll get, like, the sweet Arnie one-liners or... I mean, just one-liners in general. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, you are here because you're a fellow enthusiast of um, Westworld, yeah. created by uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, yep. the HBO show about um, robots... Androids, androids, yeah, you know that that whole deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, when this show was coming out eighteen months ago, it was like it's kind of like I was I was pumped for it, right? Because I'm a, I'm a big Nolan fan, and I like Jonathan Nolan, particularly like Memento. Like, I'm, I'm actually Memento and Prestige. I'm familiar with his work, and I like it. But also because uh, so my favorite movie is Blade Runner. Androids, right in my sort of zone. Yes. And then also, like, one of my favorite video games of all, ta- all time is Red Dead Redemption, like, this sick western. So this was, like, a combination of those two it things. Is, yes. So, you know, you can understand why I was pretty thrilled when I heard about this show. And and also the people attached to it. Yeah. So, like, I was, I was really hyped for this. And to be fair, really enjoyed the first season watching it. When I was watching it, it was... Yeah, it was it was a real treat for me. Why the caveat? Well, I mean, we we can we can we'll talk about it later. We'll talk I about guess. it later. We'll get into the nuance of your criticisms of the show. Obviously, we're going to talk about the first two episodes of season two, but before that, let's recap what happened in season one. Let's talk about our revelations that we have from season one. Right? Yeah. What are the main plot points that happens so at the end of the season we find out that what we assume to be a linear season or a linear storyline actually took place in three separate timelines essentially yeah so uh, rep- as represented by of course Dolores who we see we assume that this whole time she she has adventures with William played by Jimmy Simpson this kind of nice guy character who is you know he's this wimpy nice guy who falls in love with uh, Dolores we also see scenes of her being abused by uh, this character called the man in black, your your man, your boy. My boy. <laughs> One of the major characters of the show who he's the advanced player, right? Like, Yeah, he's, he's been around the traps a while. And exactly. He, and he, he thinks he's got a pretty good grip on how everything works, yeah. but he's also got a feeling like there's a bit more to it than um, what he's experienced so far. So he's after this thing called the maze. Yeah. Right? And yeah, that's his yeah. journey through the whole season, which is he has to go through these storylines in order to get to the end prize that he thinks that the park has for him. At the end of the season, we find out, you know, from Ford, played by Anthony Hopkins, he gets to the maze at the end and he digs it up and it's literally just a maze. Yeah. And uh, Ford, uh, the one of the co-creators of the park and the only living creator of the park, yeah. reveals to the man in black, who we find out to be William. 30 years in the future. 30 years in the future. Yeah. That, hey, this maze that you're, you're looking for, it's not for you. What it is meant for are the hosts because it's it's a guide for or it's a mission that that aids in the the awakening of their consciousness. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, essentially, that's right. and, and and that's like sort of the main. You say the main narrative of the story. Yes, that's the yeah. main through line of. That's the main engine that drives us from season one, uh, episode one, one to, to the episode lap. ten. Yeah, yeah. sprinkle within there is one of my favorite storylines, which is the character of Maeve, who plays the den mother of the whorehouse, and her journey of awakening. She starts noticing the inconsistencies in the park, and she manipulates her way into the center of the park. Yeah, I guess the big difference here is that she finds out that she's actually been programmed for this. Yes. And yeah, that, you exactly. know, this awakening is all pre-planned, but she breaks out of that that sort of pre-programming by she sees that she's, you know, predestined to leave the park and as she sits on a train about to leave, yeah decides to come back into the park because to find her daughter. From her previous iteration of yeah, her character. Yeah, from a previous story. Yeah, so, um, yeah, essentially she has two twists, right, in her character. So the first one comes very early on where, um, you know, this is the key word for this show being these violent delights have violent ends, which alludes to the fact that um, Westworld has become a place where guests, uh, i.e. the humans, can come and indulge in their ultimate, you know, violent and worse vices and instincts. Yeah. And enact them onto the host without any consequence. But uh, as the show hurdles forward in season one, and as our host characters, hosts, which is what we call the robots in the show or the androids in the show, start to retain memories, that's when they realize that... The the more we talk about it, it's just the more I realize that it's just impossible to sum this up quickly. It's hard because you... Uh, There's so many little bits to like how they become conscious. Yeah, because you either go high level, which is like, it's a show about robots in a theme park. Once you go deep, it's really hard to kind of succinctly touch on other plot points of the show, which is, I think, is also a strength of the show and its flaw at the same time because it's so convoluted, you know? Yeah. And, of course, the other major character we haven't covered is Bernard, right? This whole time, we, we assume Bernard to be one of the main uh, coders yeah, of the yeah. park. You know, he makes sure that... Um, all the hosts are working correctly. Well, he writes the code for their programming. Yeah, exactly. And And obviously the assumption there is that he's human and one of the big twists of season one. One of the best... In one of the best scenes in season one. Yeah, yeah. As well is... It it really is a huge point in the season. Yeah, and we find out that he is a host. Yes. Thinking that he's human. And not only that, uh, he's remade in the same image as the park's uh, other co-creator, Arnold. Yeah. Um, who created the park with Ford and uh, and realizes that there's more to these his creations than what we see. And in an attempt to wake the host up, um, kills himself as part of the plan. Yeah. And we learn that he's been dead for many years. Well, and this is the third timeline, is that there's flashbacks to him and Dolores, and that's pre-William. Yeah, so throughout the show, she has these I mean, the side conversations. I mean, I just realized we haven't mentioned about William. Yes. Bit, I mean, it's, it's mentioned in the first season, but becomes a major point in season two. <laughs> is that William is he's also the, he's the, the owner. owner. He is the... He's C- the reason the park exists. Yeah, he's the CEO of the park, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Or, or one of the major investors, at least. 
he is the the major investor. Like he's not the CEO of the park. He's the CEO of Delos, who owns the park. Yeah. So he's the parent company of Westworld. Westworld. Yeah. So uh, season one culminates when one more twist to go, which is yeah, we think that Ford has always been kind of a thorn in the side of. The robots, he always sounds like he doesn't treat them well, he's as... Well, he's a thorn in the side of everyone. Everyone, His management's yeah. trying to out him. Yep. Well, the more we learn about Arnold, the more we learn that Ford didn't really agree with his views on the host consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Then at the end, you know, there's this big reveal. Management finally get what they want. Ford's going to retire. Yes. But before he does, he's going to introduce this big new storyline. He invites all the board members and the people involved in the upper management of the company to to present them with this final storyline, which involves Dolores. This happens, obviously, immediately after Dolores realizes her true nature, which is she's also one of the ghosts that she's been chasing is um, Wyatt, this, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. this other character that is an antagonist in the whole park. And she realizes that she is both Wyatt and Dolores. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, the importance of this, though, is this realization, is that basically at this gala dinner is the uprising of the host. So she kills Ford, Anthony yeah. Hopkins, and continues to go ahead and, and start killing all the board members. I think the big thing here, though, is that Ford instigates this. Yes, Ford, Ford exactly. is aware that this is about to happen. Yes. And his motivation here is that through the running of the park yeah. and seeing people in the park, he's lost faith in humanity. And he sees the hosts as replacing humans. Yes. The catalyst of his slow realization to this is, of course, the suicide of his partner. He's the one that was that's only saw the host as a means to an end yeah. in the beginning. And, and after the suicide of his partner, he slowly realizes that maybe he's right. Maybe uh, Arnold is right. And there's more to him, well, more to these I, I think than... I think there's a quote early on in that they talk about, particularly after William's experience in the park, um, Ford talks about how it's going to be reflective for humans to experience this park and they're going to get a deeper understanding of who they are. Yeah. And over the next 30 years, all he sees is humans coming to the park and killing, raping, and yeah, robbing the indulging hosts. in their most worst and, vices. Yeah, exactly. And, and through doing that, he realizes that there's no saving people. And I think he uses phrasing like, we've, we've reached our evolutionary limit. <laughs> and I mean, I suppose those are the big, um, the big stories yeah. of season one. So I guess we can get into impressions Yes. Um, well, what did you think? Well, I mean, one? following on from what I was just saying about um, a lot of what, what Ford was saying, I mean, it's pretty highbrow type stuff, really, pretty philosophical. Yes. And I think that's a big thing about this show is its ambition. Yeah. And what it's trying to present us, not only in terms of content and story, but also in terms of themes. And, and I'm, I put my hand up straight away and say, I'm not there on everything that they're right. trying to say. Yeah. We've got the bicameral mind, which is its main thesis of how of how they built the AI that is defined in this show, which is the theory of bicameral mind is based on the theory that um, in, in the beginning, humans are less evolved mentally. And so we hear our consciousness as an external voice. So when we think in our heads, we hear it as a separate voice talking to us. And you know, represented here by Dolores speaking to 
Um, it's Arnold speaking to Dolores. Yeah, Arnold it? speaking to Dolores, and she perceived this obviously as an external voice. Yeah, but eventually telling her what to it do. as herself. Yeah, so when she uh, supposedly becomes self-actualizing, we get that really cool visual where you turn around and you realize that you know it, she's just talking to herself this mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. So what that theory implies is that why things like religion popped up in humanity is that when we became more evolved in our mental state. We became one, right? When we think, we just think. We don't hear a separate external voice. And religion pops up because it's humanity trying to get that voice back Mm, and and trying to hear God's voice again because it's been God telling us you know, that we need to do this and we need to do that when it's really ourselves. It's a very interesting... Look, it's a debunked psychological theory. Yeah. But it's... As a piece of fiction, I think there's still merit for them to use this theory. And to be fair, this is a theory that Ford and Arnold use for to help them conceptualize the AI of the host. It doesn't mean that they believe that that's what happened with humanity. That's like a means to an end. Exactly. And to them, it's just a framework for them to build the code of the AI. And, And it's a framework that Ford uses to drive them towards... Uh, yeah. self-consciousness i mean again though it's reflective of the ambition of this show because yeah. so often that sort of stuff goes unexplained yeah like it, oh, yeah the, it's the just host like, just became conscious just because yeah, yeah but i mean at least they've gone to lengths with it with, and like like you say it's debunked but at one stage this was a genuine psych- psychological theory yeah and yeah. and you know of course that's the case with theories that it can yeah. be proven or disproven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going to say, so yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, when this came out, I was super into it. It's one of the few shows that I've watched week to week. This is like an event show. Exactly. It's one of the few that I have experienced. Yeah. And of course, from HBO's perspective, this is their hopeful Game of Thrones replacement. They pitched their start of this wagon. Yes. So, yeah, at the time, I was really into it. But I think on reflecting, and and I think this leads into how I feel about season two, Mm -hmm. is that it's left... When I think about it a bit more, a lot doesn't really sit right with me. In terms of, like, I think it's really polished, and it sort of hides a lot behind that polish and those twists and, like, the slick production. And a great acting. Yeah, yeah. And you end up... With a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but just some real unanswered questions. And like, like I said, I was pretty confused by it, particularly the ending. Like, I, yeah. was, I was on board till the ending. The dining scene with Ford getting shot, I was a little bit like, this is sick, but I also don't understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. This is a lot like late stage Game of Thrones, where the set pieces are more important than character development or mm. character through line. But they're doing it at the beginning of their show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I guess is not a great sign. Which, as you said, you know, what happens is you end up with a lot of cool scenes, a lot of amazing reveals, a lot of great set pieces. But then upon reflection, maybe things are not as, you know, drawn together as you thought it was. Or yeah. things are less, they, they feel a little bit more hollow. Yeah, I mean to to steal a term from you, Howie, it, it feels it's very window dressing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah it's but, a and, lot of window dressing. Yeah, and like you know, the end result of that was I wasn't really too interested in um, season two. I, I should also add that the unresolved things that I just mentioned were Elsie, who I um I guess I've claimed her as my favorite character now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. 
Um, and Ashley, the security guard, like both of those characters, Ashley played by the third Hemsworth brother. Yes, yes, yes. Um, both of those characters disappear in season one yeah. under mysterious circumstances, and they just don't get another mention again. Yeah. So in season two, Ashley comes back just because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, I think it's the impression that we both get is they're picking these characters up this season. Yeah. But the fact that they don't even, like, acknowledge them for, like, you know... They're, they're major characters in the first, I don't know, five or six episodes. Then they disappear. Then they're not, they're not even acknowledged in the next four. Yeah. It's just lazy. Yeah. And, um, again, that's something that, like, the big set pieces sort of... Obscured. Hid for, yeah, obscured from yeah. me at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, ultimately, I think reflecting on it, like, particularly now that season two started and I'm thinking about it a little bit more. Like I wasn't really too hyped for season two and I think it's just because I've had time to sit with it and I'm like, man, this show, I'm not quite sure about you. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of, it, it's just not a lot of substance. Yeah. It also sure doesn't help when, you know, the main narrative behind the scenes of the show coming into season two. And I think, look, it's a great marketing narrative, I guess, when, but everyone has been saying, hey, you know, season one was just a prelude. It was a yeah. prologue. Yeah. What's really happening? Like the real shit, the meat <laughs> that we're getting into is season two. And I have to say that number one untrue <laughs> yeah i i do not buy that bullshit no no and number two i think it cheapens things that happen in season one and it's just an excuse like a cop-out for them to go hey looks i we know season one isn't perfect but it's not supposed to be the main event season it's two so, will so get it funny right knowing that comment now and like seeing the first two episodes They've got prequel stuff going yeah, on. Like, exactly, exactly. I mean, we'll get into it. But we'll, like, we'll get into it. There's so much that they obviously weren't comfortable with how they resolved it. And they didn't even introduce it really in season <laughs> one. And they've picked it up. Yeah. And anyway, I mean, like I say. Well, yeah, okay. We'll cover it. Well, let's cover it now, all I right, guess. All right. Um, we'll combine them, I guess. We'll talk about episode one and two and what are the major happenings of these two episodes so far, right? <laughs> Let's just start with Maeve, because I feel like her storyline is the most clear yeah. to me. She has a clear motivation. She has a clear direction of yeah, where her Yeah, and also headed. the characters around her, they're pretty passive. They're not going to... At the moment, they're passive, and they're not going to change what yes. she's out to do. Yeah, there are no other point-of-view characters in her storyline. Yeah. So where we pick up from her in Season 2 is that, obviously, she causes chaos in the center of yeah, Westworld, the, command center. the command center so there is a proper name for that that i read this week what is it i can't remember it it was in a video it's one of those like it's like a fan theory name it's like they've never mentioned it in the tv show yet oh. this is what it's called oh i see like man in black so. it's probably like in the script somewhere yeah That's yeah okay. what they describe it as. i see but. well let's just call it command center yeah. i guess for us that will do <laughs> So she causes chaos there. Her twist is that we find out that her supposed awakening and her supposed uh, drive to go to the real world and, you know, her realizing that the world is fake is all programmed as part of her narrative. Yeah. She's supposed to do that. And we, we get yeah. that awesome scene where she looks at the iPad before she says, no, this is crazy, let's let's say. And, like, those words appear before a second yeah, before she says yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you know, there's, like, all the rows of the words. Yeah, and exactly. And it's, like, most likely she's going to choose next. It's very cool. It's but... very interesting visual. And part of that is 
um, we see the next stage of her narrative, which is which was called mainland infiltration. Yeah. So she was supposed to get on that train and get out of there, and we, you know, she almost did, except of course she has a memory of having her daughter, you know, which the show terms to be the cornerstone of her personality, yeah. the cornerstone for these um, host characters. And even though she knows that the daughter isn't real, she ultimately makes a choice to go back for her daughter, thus breaking her code, breaking her yeah. past her programming, yeah. and being really the only one, uh, in my eyes, the only host that is truly awake. Yeah, I, I agree. She I is, agree. I think everything to do with Maeve is great storytelling from the show. I think it's the best part of the show, which yeah. is... It's a lot of showing, not telling, you know, which is obviously one of the main uh, rule of storytelling, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you have to make us buy it and don't just tell us that these things are important, you know. And she, we see from her actions that the code has been broken. Whereas uh, on the flip side of that, we see Dolores and, it, you know, it's a lot of forward pontificating yeah it's a lot of dolores saying things i reckon we can get to dolores because like there's so much to say about that i reckon let's wrap up me yeah like her arc so she and and you know what it'll lead him well they They do run it yeah they run into each other so okay so um so she goes back into the command center and she runs into lee lee sizemore lee sizemore i think uh he's your favorite character he's my favorite secondary character so my favorite character is probably mave yeah, Lee is my favorite side character just because he's like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I like I'm not a fan of what he's about, but I actually see how good he is. <laughs> yeah, and and like I'm coming around to the whole. Lee I think size why he's thing. great is that he's a great foil to these very very serious characters. Yeah, and that's what he's in there for. Like yeah. he's always been that. Even it, in season one, exactly like, around all he's the, the one that characters. challenges the the characters, and he's the guy who is not only obviously he's the the comic relief, mm-hmm. but he's also the you know he knows his shit, right? Like one of the key moments, you know, we see a, a stray host inside the command center trying to kill Lee Sizemore. Mm-hmm. Maeve comes in, saves his life. Immediately, he looks at Maeve, and he's like, "Oh, Maeve, yeah." You know, un- unlike all the non-important characters that we've seen who are just like, what are you? Yeah. So it's very telling that he immediately, instinctively knows it's me. I think we think it's telling for two different reasons, though. Y- all right. You, you, you see it as a big character thing, but I, I feel yeah. like it's a real story thing. Like, I think there could be a reveal that he... Well, his role in the show or in Westworld is so that... He writes the he, stories. Yeah, he's the, the writer. He writes all the narratives. Yeah. Um, and you have a theory that I don't have a theory per se, but uh, like I think we both picked up on this thing. Yes, and for two different reasons. Yes. So my reason is more character centric, which yeah. is you know it goes to show how he intimately knows the characters that he writes, which absolutely could be true. And but you think there's some a plot implication. So obviously we talked before about her preordained mission to go to the, infiltrate the mainland. Yeah. I think a lot of people assume Ford wrote that. Yes, that's a main assumption, although we don't really get yeah, a full confirmation. Yeah, that's right. We don't have confirmation. And I don't know, like, it would work... It could work well to have him be involved in that somehow. Oh, so Lee Sizemore in actually being the one who wrote her script. Yeah, for her to, you know, become aware of... 
the world she was living in and then yeah. having those urges to escape. Yeah, I think that's an exciting twist if that is the case. My only kind of um, counter argument is that he seemed very surprised to see that Maeve is, to see that she has agency. Well, shouldn't he to- be surprised? Because he wrote that she should leave for the mainland. I know where you're getting at, which is, oh, wait, that's not according to his plan, right? Yeah. But I feel his shock, I feel like it's more like, it's not about, wait, this isn't how I plan. It's more about, wait, how is this happening? Like, how are you just doing everything right now? I think they could be like one in the same, though. Like, they, they, they could wow. be. She does understand how the world works, but like you say, she shouldn't have the agency. So she shouldn't be coming in and like... She just shouldn't know what she knows and be able to use that information how she is, mm-hmm. I suppose, according to that script. Yeah. And that's what he's surprised at. I, I think we got an argument for each. <laughs> this would be a very interesting I bet it plays out this... like nothing like either of us think it is. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's um, put a pin on this theory and yeah. see, you know, if obviously we don't see much of Maeve and her crew this yeah, this, uh, um, so that's mainly episode one. All yeah. we see in episode two. So oh, in yeah. well, in episode one, she uh, gets Lee Sizemore, and then she gets, gets Hector, Hector, her lover, and she decides to go look for her daughter. She makes Lee go with her. She's like, "Screw your map. You're bringing me to my daughter." And one of my favorite scenes uh, in the in these two episodes is when Lee looks at her attempt to find her daughter, and he goes. I'm going to tell you this just because, you know, you seem distraught and clearly awake, is, well, which the, is, you know, your the daughter... The crazy thing is that he knows exactly where the daughter is, like, instantly. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, that's the Sector 6. It makes sense that he knows where the daughter is. Yeah, we're still on that same... Th- because she, she gave him the coordinate. Yeah, it's not that my, he sees the daughter's no, that's, name. That's my mistake. Yeah. Hey, you know, you better bring it with your stray theories here. <laughs> Yeah, jeez. Now that she's awake, he's accepted that as fact and is treating her as if she is awake. It's in these little scenes between characters is when the the show works the best because it really like challenges the host characters, which is our point of view characters in the show, yeah. to think about themselves and you know and challenge them about how they conceive themselves whether as human beings or robots and it's in their decision against those questions that proves their humanity because you know what does Maeve decide yeah I know uh but she's still real to me yeah I'm just gonna go find her yeah and of course in their journey they run into Dolores's group yeah so in episode two I mean when we had the technical difficulties, we spoke about this, and we were we were hoping for like we thought there might be a huge showdown or something. I have to say, I was underwhelmed oh, by this was, meeting. Yeah, let's just talk about Dolores's perspective in this season. Oh, just before we move on, I'll say, and it's back to what we were saying before about Maeve being the clearly she's the one that I think for sure has consciousness. Is consciousness. Yes. Because in this interaction with Dolores, who's apparently not only conscious, but like sees herself as a character who's going to lead all the hosts to consciousness. Yes. Maeve was the one who definitely seemed like... Alive. Alive. And we'll get into Dolores, but she still feels like she's spitting out... Lines, like like pre-written lines. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's talk about Dolores, right? Because yeah. I feel like her storyline in this season so far is hugely problematic. Yeah. Both on the level that I'm 
losing interest in her. Yeah, like, absolutely. Quickly. I will say in the second episode, I was slightly more interested. They, yes. But more so because there was more, there was a little bit more context around the people around her. Yeah. Where we left off is Dolores slash Wyatt. She's murdering the guests. Yeah. Of uh, Delos. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and that's where it ends. Yeah, she's going nanas yeah, out Yeah, she is obviously the, the linchpin of the rebellion. Yeah, and, and it comes straight back in to her we, shooting guests again. Yes, like, we get this... She's on horseback. Yeah, yeah, we get this cool slow motion scene yeah. of her just shooting the running guests. Yeah, and she's, with, a hit, she's, a, she's like a wicked shot as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and her face, she makes that face like Evan Rachel Wood. Great yeah, actress. Yeah. Um plays the role perfectly yeah and she makes that face where it's like yeah i'm evil now yeah yeah that yeah, face yeah. you know like that smug look where it's like you're gonna get yours yo it's, it's like oh you thought i was the nice yeah ranch girl yeah. get a taste of this and that is her arc this season so far her arc is just hey you thought i was just nice just a nice girl well get some of this yeah how do yeah. you like them apples that whole that whole first episode, she plays that up so much because like every opportunity she gets to talk, she spits some rubbish that just plays into that so much, uh, and it's yeah. cringe, it's it's to the point where it's like cringy. So like she has this scene where she's like hanging these guests, and they're yeah. like, you know, they're they're, they're praying for mercy, yeah. and they're like, can't you see we're begging? And she goes, we're sorry. Calling back to her line, the line that hosts say when they see things that are from the human world, like when Dolores's dad, the ranch dad, who is a key character in this season as well, mm. the MacGuffin for yeah, this season. Yeah, not that he's been seen season. at any yeah. point. Yeah, Abernathy is his name. Yeah. Um, he sees uh, a picture of a couple who we later find out to be William and his wife in the modern world, mm. in, the, in a city. What they're supposed to do is go, it doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, and that's right. That theoretically could be a cool line that she says back because it's kind of like you're using your chains against your slavers kind of thing where she spits out a line that that's yeah, supposed to yeah, be her yeah. trap i can say that a pressing line back at them but in a more aggressive I, I way think that's maybe how the writers meant it uh, yes it is exactly how it how they meant it but it doesn't work it does it falls flat because number one they've used this exact line to perfect effect in their pitch perfect reveal that bernard is a robot because that was the line that revealed to us that he is actually a robot because oh yeah the door that was the first sign because theresa r.i.p mm. sees a door in that little cat like ford's hidden cabin and she sees a door and she's like hey where does this door lead to and he turns he's like that doesn't look like anything to me <laughs> that was the line that sent chills down my spine because that, that was, was just the like, best moment of yeah season and, one. and they use that line so perfectly mm. I think they shouldn't have used that line well, again. That's the, the perfect the other, payoff to the, the line. The other thing is that, you know, these guests, they're probably not aware that that is the line that the yeah. hosts say when they see something they're not meant to. Exactly. Teresa knew. Yeah. She knows what that line means. Exactly. So it's just completely misused. It's misused and because... it becomes laughable. Yeah, like you said, they don't understand the implications of the line. Yeah. So they don't feel it, which means that she's just saying it for the audience's sake. 
and it just doesn't ring true. No. And then she says the violent delights line as well, and you're just like, "All right, we get it. You're badass now." Yeah. I think this season so far, Dolores has real bad、uh, Khaleesi syndrome right now. I'm referring to Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, who spend most of the show walking around talking about how great she is,、yeah. talking about how she's gonna rule the world, how she's gonna. Free people, and what is so frustrating about that character is seeing her talking about it and not seeing her doing anything about well, it. Well, I mean, the doing just takes so long. Yeah. So yeah. we end up. What we end up with is more talking about doing it and less actually <laughs>、yeah. doing it. There's more the promises、like、than payoff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whereas the talking about it ends up being the season. Yeah, and I think、uh, the majority of the first two episodes is just her, like promising us, like. Promising that this is going to be a blood. I'm gonna destroy、yeah. people. I'm gonna change things. But I have to say, there was one thing that was pretty cool in her story、uh, this season, which was if you remember in episode one, Tessa Thompson's character, who is Charlotte, yeah, one of the main figureheads of the company. After the shooting, some guests are still like in hiding and they're still alive. Yeah, along with Bernard, who is pretending that he's one of the Human. You know, he's just had the revelation that he is—he's a host like yeah, a day it's, ago. It's a、right? double whammy for him、yeah. because, like you say, he's just realized he's a host. But then he's also seen all the hosts start killing people. Exactly. And like you know, it, it didn't matter that the lines weren't defined from、yeah. a day ago because it was like, well, these people—it's still cool. Like, yeah. And at the end of the day, between host and guest, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, and also, his journey is very interesting because he's going through like the reverse. Realization, and at the end of the day, his instinct is that he is one of the people. Yeah, because and and pe- the people treat him as one because they're like, you're in charge. You know where you know where to go. You know、yeah. they they see him、yeah. as the main figureheads of the company as well. Yeah, of course Charlotte does as well. Anyway, they go to this.、Um, they see this truck. Right with the two, you know, agents or security guards. As audience, we're like, "Oh shit, this is a trap!" Oh yeah. <laughs> But、um, everyone else thought, "Okay, we're safe." They run towards it, except for Bernard, who's like clued in. Yeah. And of course, he helps Charlotte. Yeah, and、uh, they like hang back to see what happens. But he—they don't just hang back. Like he tries to call the people.、Back. Yeah, he does. He does. He tries to tell everyone, "Hey, don't go there." Yeah, like, like this looks like wrong. Yeah, like he's like yeah. That's shaking.、Man. Yeah, but of of course he saves the one character that, that we、matters. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and、um, lo and behold, it's a trap, and the yeah, girl yeah, yeah. rides in to kill everyone. And we were like, if you've seen the previously ons for these episodes, you realize that she's the girl that welcomed original William into the into park. the park. Yeah, she was the welcome host. Yeah, I think they did. Reintroduce her though in the second. second yeah,、one. wasn't she part of、um, White's thing? Like she tricks, she、oh. tricks the man in black and Teddy. Oh yeah, is that her? I think it is.、Oh, okay, I'm not certain. I think it is though. That makes sense because she is part of Wyatt's party. Yeah, and Wyatt is Dolores. She she kills everyone and、oh, then she、oh, lets yeah, this yeah. guy right, go. All right, all right. So the reason she lets him go is revealed it, in it revealed in season it is episode, episode two. two Where he bursts through the door of、um, the facility, the part of the facility which yeah, that yeah. no one realizes was,、uh, you know, that an uprising was happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And and then they're like, you know, he runs through and he's like, didn't you hear? Yeah, We're all dying. Going on, like. I think it, it's such a cliche. Like he's like, it's a madhouse out there or something like that. And then they're like, oh yeah, there's, there's some banging on the doors. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm suspicious of this section. <laughs> he's like, hey, what's, yeah, it's a trouble out there. And then um, Dolores, of course, bursts through with Teddy and the girl, the curly hair girl. Angela, is that her name? Yeah, yeah, okay, her name Angela. Angela. She's like, yeah, Giddy the, trou- the trouble's me, bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I Except think it's I, not that cool. I didn't get it at the beginning, but upon rewatch, I was just like, oh, that guy was the guy who ran away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all on purpose so that he could lead them into yeah. the facility. And I thought, hey, you know what, Dolores? That was smart. Yeah. I gave her credit for that, for yeah. being so tactical in how she plants. And I feel like that is the wired in her, which is just like, I know how to lure people into traps and manipulate people. But of course, part of uh, Dolores' storyline in season two is her relationship with Teddy, right? And uh, Teddy, of course, is... The lackey. Get it. He does not. He's <laughs> like the friend who's the last to get the joke. Oh, he's worse than that. He's so he's so clueless he to did, the whole thing. I think yeah, yeah. He's worse than that in the sense that he actually never gets a joke. He is in perpetual confusion. Yeah. Look, he's getting there. We end with episode one with Dolores saying, I'll show you something. What she shows him is the facility, mm. right? You know, which could be useful to wake him up. Like, yeah. hey, look and at he this sees weird photos shit. of himself. Yeah. As, as like a dead host yeah. being repaired. Yeah. But like it doesn't, it, the painting still doesn't drop for him. It doesn't because he just knows that something's weird. Some people are messing with him. Like that's really all he is registering right now. I think the reason for it is that because there's no physical difference between the hosts and the guests, yeah. I think that's why like, you know, you don't get it yeah. if you're Teddy. Yeah. Because, oh, well, like, you know, there's these troughs full of dead people yeah but there's people fixing them and they're the, they're the same as me yeah so that's why that's why it doesn't he doesn't get it yeah because he has no frame of reference to yeah. like non-humans yeah, which you, is him you, you gotta cut a pair of them up the revelation is only like very clear if like i think i'm human and it's then like... i just look at the mirror and i realize i'm actually a monkey <laughs> does that work does yeah, that analogy you just, work? To, you just need to look different you just need to look different from the yeah. people okay you're saying that's the reason why Teddy oh, look, doesn't... I, I think that's like my theory on it yeah because like for him you know seeing the dead people in the trough and then seeing the people fixing the dead people like yeah you've got you've got two different groups but they still look the same yeah. like for him it's still the same thing I'm I'm a little worried with Ted's uh, Teddy's storyline because he is ultimately not a point of view character and at least with Dolores we see her journey towards consciousness and we I don't really buy that she's actually conscious but yeah at least if you want to they're like evidence of her being conscious but because of the fact that Teddy's a side character you know even when he sees like his death we don't really see it really like he just sees a lot of dead bodies yeah and it's like yeah. that's not enough like 
Loris, that's think about what you went through to get here. That's not enough to bring him to. Yeah, he's. Oh. You know, it's about the reveries, as they call them, or yeah. the or the or the memories of them, yeah. their past lives. Yeah, like, he needs to experience himself getting killed yeah. all those times. Because like he was the whipping boy of season yeah. one. Like he just got shot left, right, and center. Yeah, it doesn't matter if he sees a picture of him dead like five times over. Yeah, it's because he's still he... gonna someone photoshopped it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Some uh, mid, some what, Western... What else can you do on this pad? Thing? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, which, you know, is a huge thesis of the first season, which is what makes us human, right? That's the central question of this season, and, of, and, of the and, show. You know, what they, I think, what they say it is, is suffering. It's, it's suffering, but it's also the memory of that suffering, yeah. right? Memory plays a huge part on what makes us human, also, its central thesis, at least according to its main characters, seems to also be that when we explore ourselves to our truest extent, it's horrible. It's represented by the guests that come to the park. It's to indulge in, you know, um, murdering people. Yeah, and, and I mean, the stories that the hosts are involved in are like that as well. Like, yeah, we see a brutal. lot of just, like, random killings. Yeah. And that's the crux of why the host, especially Dolores, which is the leader, uh, rebelled against humanity because it's, you know, these violent delights have violent ends and they presume that the delights is, are violent. It's like a given. When humans indulge in pleasure, it's causing pain to other people. This is grim, man. <laughs> it's bleak. It's a bleak show. But of course, there's counter... Narratives to that, obviously, we see in Maeve, whose consciousness and arguably humanity comes to fruition in an act of pure love. Yeah. Those are all very interesting themes, but I think it's getting a little muddy in season two. It's not tight with, like, the Dolores storyline, and, like, they just keep doing other things with it. Like, in the second episode, she's got a god complex now. What like, do you mean by like, that? Like, she rolls into... So, she's, like, trying to recruit an army. So, she yeah. goes and sees, like, the Confederacy blokes. But, you know, the... Yeah, yeah. Like, she's like, I'll take you to... Oh, it's all about glory. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. take you to glory. Yeah. The reason why I don't buy that Dolores is conscious is that she's very all over the place. And that's, this is the problem when you introduce a character and you make us question their agency and you make us question, is the character we're following actually the same character? If we're always wondering that we will never fully invest in the character. I know what Maeve is, so I'm always like on her side or on her perspective. But by introducing, combining Wyatt and Dolores, you throw like... Uh, yeah, the character up in the air. It's not a combination of the two. It's one or the other. You yeah, know, you know exactly. I mean? like she's either she's either Dolores or yeah. she's either White. Yeah. She doesn't. She, she there's no like when there's, she's White. There's yeah. no like. Um, there's no compassion. Exactly. She talks about the struggle in her, but we don't see it. You no. know, in that hanging scene, she goes. The rancher's daughter looks to see the beauty in you. Possibilities. But Wyatt sees the ugliness the disarray she knows these violent delights the violent ends the wyatt in me uh, once you did oh but the uh, ranch that daughter uh, it's just like you if that's you you don't talk about yourself like that you know what i mean like mm. you don't say you don't call yourself as 
the rancher's daughter. Or yeah, because she doesn't refer to herself as White, <laughs> the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's White. It, it feels like, you know, they know what they want her character to do. Yes. But every, everything else is just auxiliary. That's a, a good word for it because it's... What's ironic, I guess, is... On a meta level, she is a slave to the plot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's just so <laughs> ironic because her character, the consistency of her character is a, is a slave to where the creators or the writers want the story to go. So they have to adjust her character according to where they want things to go instead of you know, having her fit organically in her storyline of what is the most likely action that this character is likely going to make. Yeah, but, you know, instead it's, you know, killing people. It's it's killing guests yeah. in the um in the first episode yeah. and the second episode it's recruiting an army basically. Yes. The show attempts to give us more nuance to this Dolores character in episode 2 by giving us flashbacks to her off-world experiences. Yeah. Because we need more timelines. In this show. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> in this episode, we see essentially Arnold and Ford at the beginning of their venture. They're trying to get more funding yep. into the park. They're trying. They're in the very early stages of yeah. Westworld and all their, you know, subsequent parks. And we see her, you know, looking out into the big city and we get a new line, which is, you know, she, she says... Have you ever seen anything so full of splendor? There's a riveting setup and payoff throughout the storyline where she. What? So, so the scene you're talking about. Yes. Is this the one where she's at so Arnold's home? Because uh, this no. is this was an important scene for me. So this was part of what I'm talking about. So yeah. the beginning, the setup is she looks out, um, in the very beginning. I think they're in a hotel room, and she looks out and she sees the lights, and we immediately know that she's outside because she's wearing like. A black dress. And it's, it's contemporary. Yeah, and we see the reflections of the skylights yeah. on the mirror. And it's really reminiscent of things like Blade Runner, which I assume has a huge so has a huge influence. This is, this is how much this scene <laughs> reminded me of Blade Runner. Okay. And I'm talking about the scene where she goes up and it's his half-constructed home. Yeah. Immediately... Like strong Japanese architecture themes. Yeah, and in it's home. in it's in nondescript Asia because we see like yeah. a lot of people who cross the street. They're mostly Asian people, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. And then so the other thing is we see all these bricks, and on on these bricks are very there's this pattern. Yeah, this is at Arnold's um, unfinished home. Un- unfinished home. Yeah, where he talks about his wife and his child as well. In this uh, yeah, scene, I see. Which, um, We've, we've heard about the kid. But we, we actually... We hear about Arnold's... Um, the, uh, Bernard's memory of her, his wife that's, and that's children. That's right. That, and that's not, what I thought. And not really Arnold's. Thought. We've got yeah. that in this scene. Then the next is... They walk up the stairs and they're looking at the skyline. And, yes. and they're surrounded by these bricks. Okay, right? okay. And in Blade Runner, in his apartment on his balcony are these very specific like pattern bricks. Like if you watch if you watch Blade Runner Ooh. and you're if you're familiar with his apartment, you know that these bricks are like they they stand iconic. out iconic or like characteristic yeah. of this movie of yeah. the Blade Runner movie. Exactly. So they're like that and then as they're talking, you get this synth 
and it's like the synth in the, the opening. Yeah, it's the Vangelis opening synth as like the fire comes out and the eyes open. The setup here, we're talking about the kid, yeah. talking about the wife. Yes. And then it's very reminiscent of Blade Runner, particularly, you know, the scenes in um, Harrison Ford's house Yeah. in Blade Runner. You know, they're all about they're him and Rachel. Yeah, so... Where uh, he's talking yeah. to her, and knowing the, she's an android and not knowing that he himself is. Yes, yeah, so, so what you're referencing is uh, a scene in the movie Blade Runner directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah. Um, where um, Deckard, the yeah. main character, the titular Blade Runner, yeah. um, played by Harrison Ford, yeah. um, has a conversation with Rachel, who is a character that believes she's human, but later on finds out that she's, she's an, android. an android. We know that she's an android. As far as Ridley Scott, the maker of this film, is concerned, yeah. Harrison Ford is a replicant. He's an android. Oh, yes. And I yes. can't help but feel like the setup of this scene and how heavily it is playing on Blade Runner is a setup for that. What do you I mean? I think we're going to find out that there is no Arnold. What? That is like I, it just felt like it for me. Okay, I like, mean, I, I I know there's like paying homage, but this was like just so specific. You in what you're it thinking was. that the explicit references to Blade Runner indicates that it's Arnold. Just, it's a theory that I'm not going to back a hundred percent. Okay, I mean it's a look. But this is what bringing, I thought as I watched this scene. You're bringing some very interesting theories to the table. I lo- I would love to entertain this theory, but. We can't get another Arnold. We can't get. Another- I don't think you can either. You can't. But here's we- the thing: the show is feeling so lazy already that I feel like they'd go there. Okay, we're all gonna right, get right, another right. Jeffrey I'll, Wright I'll, isn't human scene. All right, I want to. I'll clarify in that I'm not. Like I said, I'm not 100 percent all in on this. I'm not convinced. You got me hooked. You got me hooked on the Blade Runner references. I was very into it. I don't think the show is lazy enough to do it, but I also... Look, all I'm saying is I feel like they've hinted at it pretty heavily. Okay. Maybe it's fair to say that whatever the themes are in Blade Runner, something connected to that might play out in this season. I mean, I guess I'm looking at story-wise, not yeah. themes. I think they've already... Like, oh, that's what I mean. They, like, are, story, they, already, yeah. they already cover, like... They, they essentially cover the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Know? I think it's hinting at, at like, borrowing bits of the story. Okay. Well, we'll see, I guess. Let's put a pin in that one as well. I would also say that even in Blade Runner, the question of whether or not Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, is human You're is right. in debate. So this is assuming one more level of what's canon, right? This is like yeah, this is yeah. a confirmation of two theories. <laughs> Theory one: Deckard from Blade Runner is well, you know, uh, what? is now, a replicant. Now, you know what you like? Maybe it's the makers of the show. Well, look, interesting, <laughs> very interesting. Uh, hey, listeners, if you think that Matt's theory might be correct, tell us about it. Let us know whether you agree or disagree at spoilernationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your emails. and uh, There's a Facebook group as well, isn't there, Howie? There is a Facebook group. Uh, look up Spoiler Nation and tell us, does this theory sound batshit crazy? Tell me I'm wrong publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Make me look like an idiot in I, front of other people. I think he's wrong. But, uh, you know, so email I in. I think I'm wrong too, but... <laughs> 
It, it sure did make me feel smart for a moment. I 100% agree with you that that storyline with Arnold and Dolores is echoing Blade Runner. Mm. And I think what was so captivating in that scene is the the disappointment. I think they played this with William as well, and but I feel like this is also the central theme of this episode itself is that the disappointment when you find out that what you think is more turns out to be you know like not um, at the beginning he she says that line where she's like oh such a wonder and you could see that um uh, arnold is uh, is very intrigued and very interested and awed by dolores as his own creation ford accuses him of, of nepotism Right, he doesn't want Dolores to be part of their demonstration to mm. uh, our favorite guy in season one, that uh, Logan, <laughs> L- Logan, yeah, yeah. Um, played by Ben Barnes. Yeah, so he doesn't want Dolores. To, essentially, he sees her as too pure and too human to be part of that demonstration. What we get at the end scene, where she looks back, you know, they're in his house, his unfinished house, and she looks. Uh, out into the city lights the, the moment where he repeats the same line back to him which is haven't you ever seen something with such splendor yeah, yeah. is the moment his face drops and that realization comes crashing back in which is oh what i'm seeing is just what it is yeah and yeah. it, there's nothing more that's such a great execution i think this show is yeah. very this show had it, can be very good with executing those character through lines or those little moments like that that you know makes me think oh this show can be profound within Whoa. its pretense yeah you know yeah I mean? you know you can just have those good character moments yeah 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 we'll talk about Dolores a bit more just because um it, you know she's a huge part of episode two uh, yeah. we barely see any of Maeve which well, she runs into right so um she decides to um, kind of partner up with, I don't know, the Confederados, I want to say. <laughs> well, she doesn't or partner kind up of, with them. Right, she, she, she assume, takes them. She subsumes. Yeah, yeah, she becomes their leader. Like, yeah. It's not like there's this like mutual she, agreement. Yeah, she attempts that. And of course, you know, playing out their narrative, they're like, whatever, bro. Yeah. And she's like, all right, let me show you like what's truly happening. And then, yeah, so it's very uh, Khaleesi-like. Her storyline is, is, is plays out exactly like how um, Daenerys Targaryen storyline plays out in Game of Thrones, which is once you get move away from her suffering, and once she overcomes her initial suffering, she just goes on a path of shouting at people and like saying that she's awesome and getting more followers. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then, so in in between that journey, she runs into Maeve and her crew. And I thought, you know, when I saw episode one, I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. Uh, arguably, two of the only fully conscious conscious hosts yeah. uh, meet up. Will they even be on the same side? Yeah. Right? So that's the main question. It's like, what's the showdown going to be like? I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to be epic. Nope. <laughs> and it, it look, it makes sense in some ways from... Maeve's point of view because you can remember her self-serving is like super high it's a great conversation that they have that Maeve is like you say you fight for freedom so you have to let us go 
really i wanted at least like a fight or i don't know some kind like of a, showdown yeah if anything my takeaway from that was that dolores um, is like not very convincing no. as being self-aware because yes. there wasn't any kind of thought about well how did may become self-aware yeah what's her point of view on this yes it's just oh she doesn't agree with me whatever I can forget about that. It's the same thing. It's like it doesn't look like anything to me. Yeah, she the way she reacts to Maeve is as if you know. I think even Evan Rachel Wood plays it like she's a robot going through the motions. Mm. Yeah, having them briefly conversate with each other really highlights the fact that how you you are not interested in Dolores at all. Like. No. I'm just... I want to follow Maeve to her storyline. Can we cut to that, please? But my question for you, Howie, is who do you hope wins the war that's coming? As in the war between Dolores and the because, humans? Yeah, here's my point about this. Yeah. It's because, like, Dolores isn't the horse I want to back in. Yeah. Like, I'm all about you and me. Humans. Look. And so, on that basis alone, I'm already not very interested in this. <laughs> Because, like, I want her to lose. This reminds me of uh, a similar argument that we have with a, a, a little movie called uh, Down Off the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, where, yeah, it um, is the same So, because thing. I would say if it were Maeve leading this team, I'm on Maeve's side 100%. Like, I, I'm like, fuck humanity, kill us. Like, we're evil. Hey, you're on record. <laughs> you're on record now. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit this out. <laughs> but no, and I agree that like if it was her leading the army, you'd be more torn at least, yeah, right? Yeah, and like the way she would go about it would be different. Exactly. Because Dolores is like no, it is the same. Is it's it's the Khaleesi thing again, where it's not. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna convince you. It's no, you're gonna bend or I'm gonna kill you, and yeah. that's not interesting. Like uh, maybe yeah. maybe like you know convincing people to follow her cause. Yeah, exactly, and also. Maeve's stakes are so personal to her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very it's personal and yet we recognize that need. Like we recognize her her want to be with someone they love. Yeah, D- Dolores and is just, you know, her her motivation is revenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because even if it's not revenge, it's not motivated by the people around her yeah. because she just manipulates the people around her. Exactly. And you could argue that Maeve is actually fighting for humanity itself mm. because she's fighting for love. But Dolores is... Maybe it's a commentary on, like, she's the product of the dark side of humanity and she's coming off the other end that Maeve is coming out of, which is her motivation is revenge, right? Because mm. she says... Dolores says to Maeve... I know you, and I can't imagine the the burning re- rage of revenge that's boiling in you right now. And and maybe it's like, no, that's yeah. that's not what I feel. Yeah, like, you don't know me. Yeah, I'm fucking human. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not running through like storylines like yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if the show treats Dolores as if she is already actualized or not, because that is. What makes this show good or bad? I mean, I suppose bottom line with Dolores is that it doesn't really feel like they know what they're doing with her beyond what her outcome is going to be. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that they they are now going forward with the the assumption or like with the statement that Dolores is fully actualized and this is just 
what she's doing as a fully conscious being. Mm-hmm. If that's what they're going with, this is a huge flaw. Yeah, in the no, show. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But if it's not, I mean, we did, we do have eight episodes to go. Yeah. If it, you know, if the reveal is she has more learning to do, <laughs> she has more humaning to do, then, it, you know, it's a frustrating execution of a of a payoff that might be worth it. All right, but let's 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 talk about William. Yeah, your right. your boy, the man in black slash William in the first episode is really just him surviving. You see he survived the massacre. He's pretty stoked that, you know, he can actually die out there now and, like, does some killing. Yeah, he says time and time again the stakes are real. Yeah, the stakes are real. That's his little catchphrase. Yeah, he gets one. Real real gambling man. Yeah. Um, He's so excited. He's so excited. Yeah, he's thrilled. Ford also has left him a little message about... You know, the game is for you. Yeah, this one yeah. is for you, even though the maze one wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and like gives him the little, you know, you start where you finish, and you finish where you start. And oh, and he says, yeah, and he also says the game will find you, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Initially, I thought, oh, it's a metaphorical thing. You know, yeah, it's like a yeah, final we, I, taunt. I think we didn't really think too much of this, but come second episode, yeah, this it is- seems like the game is literally designed for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which begins to make more sense when you see the role William played in the park, which we do yes. in a retrospective. So basically, yes. the, the, the Arnold and Dolores scenes that, we're see- that we saw earlier of them both in the real world basically coincide with a scene where Logan, um, William's brother-in-law is introduced yes. to the hosts and asked to invest in the park. Yeah. Um, from that, it picks back up after William and Logan's experience in the park where William has convinced Logan's father, his father-in-law, um, William's father-in-law to invest into the park mm-hmm. and they become the major investor, the, the Delos group. Yes, yes. The whole show so far, it has hinted that the... Um, theme park element of the of Westworld isn't actually their main goal. No, no. So, so and, and that's what we got confirmation of. Yeah, so how because, William sells it to the old boy yeah. is that it's not about the fantasy. It's, it's about, about the guests. Inf- yeah, and the information that they can gather through the guests' experiences. Mm-hmm. But for William, it Facebook is... Facebook analogy, perhaps? I suppose it's early, but it's they've come together at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um... But, you know, for William, it's still about the fantasy. Like, yes. he, he still sees the value in yeah. the experience. That's just have. what he sells to the buyers to so that they can assume control of, yeah. of Westworld. Or So, in episode two, he runs into his old pal, Lawrence. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this is what's re- going on in the, in the, in the current timeline yeah he recruits the man in black recruits lawrence well he basically starts retracing his steps exactly exactly and gets him on board with his vague mission to i don't know go to heaven well it's interesting in that i guess what a lot of what william the man in black and dolores says to convince people is kind of similar yeah like you know they're both saying that there's more to this than meets the eye yeah dolores is saying she's going to free people the man in black saying he's going to burn it to the ground. Yes. So he sells this to Lawrence, who then agrees to help him. Yeah. And they, they go into this town to recruit more people. Yeah. And the guy used to be 
a character that Lawrence's current host body played. Yeah. You know, it's that guy who is like the leader of these revolutionaries. Yeah, revolutionaries. Yeah. And it's I think it's played by uh I forgot his name, but the main bad guy in Breaking Bad. Gus, isn't that oh, him? I mean, I thought it was, but he looks too old when you actually get Right. Well, I I you know, I happy think to it's be stand Yeah, I think it's Gus Fring slash Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking mm. Bad. That but it seems we, like interesting casting. His face is very obscured, so I can see why it's hard to tell. Well, here's the next thing that happens in this scene, because he he convinces. Well, he doesn't convince them. He like forces this character to tell his boys to get on board with the man in black, and then they turn around and shoot themselves. Yes, and then and he it, says, "This game is for you, and you have to play it." solo yeah yeah so he's and then reminded shoots himself. yeah so he's reminded uh, the man in black is reminded that you know yeah this is a little solo mission so and that's confirmation like it's a literal confirmation of hey this game literally is for yeah. him and just in relation to um john carlo yeah like, it seems ridiculous because he's a pretty he's a pretty well-known actor yeah now. it seems ridiculous to have him in it for a, a bit role yeah literally like five lines true maybe he'll be back and he, Maybe Dolores actually, stumbles know, he, upon him he, and revives him. He has more than more than five lines, and they suck. <laughs> Maybe because it, it's another monologue. They can't yeah. write monologues. Well, you know what? They, it's not they can't write them, but there's never a setup yeah, to a monologue. Exactly. They just drop it in there. And also, you don't have the crutch of Ford, like of Anthony Hopkins, to say monologues like exposition monologues mm. in a very interesting way anymore. You can't use that as a crutch. Yeah. Uh, or you know, hire someone else that has that caliber, <laughs> you know, um, Patrick Stewart or something, someone <laughs> like that. Yeah. But yeah, and that's the end of that storyline, William's storyline. Yeah, yeah. So it sort of le- he's leads just off like, there. oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it it obviously makes that much more interesting now. Yeah. So it's clear to us now that um, Dolores and William's path will converge because it seems like their goals are the same and at the end of that Dolores' storyline she's like i'm gonna you don't know what's there i know it's a weapon to destroy them all yeah what do you think that is forgot about this i mean same thing as the first episode right mm. vague you know big statement yeah that's kind of just frustrating. Even in season one, they kind of it's kind of a given that they really don't know what it is that's there. But it feels like, at least for Dolores, she knows what's at the end. Like, at her end point, she knows I mean, exactly what's there. Look, it could be anything. The one thing I might, like, I'll lean towards over anything else is that we see uh, in a flashback, her and William looking at uh, a canyon being dredged by those big, big yes so and I, that's played as a reveal yeah. of sorts of so, that and, scene. And, and only because they use that scene in that way yeah. as a reveal the thing i think it might be is potentially the valley that they flood okay yeah yeah yes there's a lot of at the end so do you want to explain that so you know just that she's going to use it to kill people, in in that she was going to lead them in into into it and then flood it somehow. So yes, the end reveal of episode one is that uh, some intermediate time in the future after our main storyline, um, Bernard wakes up, doesn't remember what's happening. The Hemsworth brother finds him, 
the people from outside the world comes in and finds him and starts to diagnose what's happening, what's going on. And he's the only one with the answers, but it seems like he doesn't remember, right? Yeah. And then we go to this part of the park where there shouldn't be water. Yeah. And they see a whole puddle of ocean. That's an insane oxymoron. A puddle of ocean. A puddle of ocean. <laughs> Look at what this show is doing to me. Yeah. Okay, so and then... My, mom, my mind's fried as well. <laughs> yeah. In the puddle of ocean, <laughs> we see bodies floating. Yeah, but they're hosts. There's a close-up and, you know, a lot of people couldn't recognize him, but there's a close-up to Teddy. And yeah. he's one of the hosts that's drowned. But then we turn it back on Bernard yeah. and he says, I killed them. Yeah, I killed them all. Theoretically, this whole season is leading up to... It's filling in the yeah, blanks so, to so that moment. I mean, the thing I was going to say about this timeline in terms of a theory is that... So, as shown earlier, um, they extract a host's mind and they see what he saw just... The host saw just before um, they were killed. And they were killed by Dolores and the footage was taken like 11 and a half days before. I that. see, yes. So, so, everyone's saying, well, it's two weeks. But I think it can be way longer than that. Yeah. I and just, I think it is. Okay, I have a theory now. And it's piggybacking off this Reddit theory that we uh, we had a brief read online. Yeah. Which was, so there's a theory that we begin to see these, they actually have a brain. Like a center where all the information is kept. And we see that in Charlotte's secret hideout. Where they open up that brain and then they... Take information out of it and then put it back in or something like that. Yeah. So obviously Bernard in the present doesn't remember anything. And he says, I killed them all, right? Yeah. And a a theory is that he's Teddy. Yeah. So so when we say he's Teddy, he has Teddy's core. Yeah. Like in his, his mind. Exactly. In his mind. And he's Teddy in Bernard's body. Yeah. But my theory is that it's Dolores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes more sense. Dolores isn't in the puddle, right? Because we close up to Teddy. I think that's how Dolores will get to the real world. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, it's compelling for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's no evidence against it. No, no, there's not. I mean... The only thing... So the only thing I'm trying to think of... Because for some reason, I can picture Dolores saying that line. I killed yeah, them, I killed them all. That's It's so and clear I, and I'm in my head. To, and I'm trying to think, is there an episode... Where she says that? Or like, that? can you place her where she says that? I don't think so. If that is a line that she said, I'm surprised no one, no one else has linked it up. Yeah. And what, how that popped out is when you said... I forgot about the whole video thing mm. of the last moment is Dolores killing the host. And it's like, why would she... We've seen her kill off the host, but it seems to be more important that they kill these hosts closer to the events of this happening. We know that Dolores has no qualms killing hosts. Yeah. Well, she has a plan because she said, well, some yeah. of you aren't meant to make it. Exactly. To the host. Exactly. So the fact that Teddy, a follower of Dolores, is in the flood and not Dolores, it could be, it's very possible that if that's not Bernard, then it's Dolores. And you know, it, the show keeps wanting us to remember the relationship between Arnold and Dolores. Mm. And the show loves to play with this kind of creation versus the creator relationship. Yeah. Maybe I, I, the crux of the show is that it ends with I her think... becoming her creator. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be something? Well, yeah, well, be something. It, it fits nicely. I'll pay it. I'll... All right. I think really the reason why I'm apprehensive about yeah. any theories about Bernard 
not being who he is. Is that I quite like Bernard, and yeah. I quite like that character. It would be disappointing if he's not Bernard. And if yeah. they just do like a face-off thing, <laughs> bringing it back. Wow. Because it, it's totally a face-off yeah, thing. They're is. just going to switch the character and like, oh, yeah, you're Dolores now and you're Bernard and uh, but you're in your old bodies. And uh, it's, it's just like that movie. With, and, uh, uh, if that's the truth, then it'll be your favorite TV show ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. It, it has to be directed by John Woo. Of course, of course. Yeah, and you got to have, like, an epic car and boat chase. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the finale is directed by <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. A boy can dream, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, any other thoughts? I mean, I'm I'm pretty up and down on it. Okay. Like I'm. You know what I like more than the actual TV show what? is reading and coming up with, with theories. the theories and talking about it. With other yeah, people, and, right? and I mean, really, like none of these theories are going to be correct. Well, speak, like, speak for yourself, <laughs> bro. <laughs> but I mean, that's like the fun of it, isn't it? Is that like we all feel like pretty bright coming up with these things and yeah. pointing at evidence, but yeah. like in actual fact. It just turns out to be like something completely different. The uh, men in black being William theory came through and people pegged that from the beginning. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I know some people who picked Bernard being a host pretty early wow. as that well. W- so, you know, it could happen. Well, well, you know, they said it after. Right. <laughs> so, you know, how much weight can you put in that? But, you wow. know, I mean, you got to take them at their word. Hey, you know, some of us are meant to get the theories right and some of us aren't. We'll see. We'll see who's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, um, that's that's the exciting part for me. What about yourself, Howie? Um, Maeve, Maeve, Maeve storyline. I'm very excited to see where she goes. I love the dynamic. It's all about character for me, and I think the character of Maeve and what the potential of her playing off of Lee Sizemore and Hector is gold. And I can't wait to see where that goes. I'm less. I mean, you know, the theorizing stuff is exciting as well. And I love talking about it with other people. I mean, that was exhilarating me. Yeah. Positing coming, coming a theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, they better fix Dolores. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I'll agree. In terms of the actual characters and stories, I think I think the man in black, like William as yeah. the man in black, just got a lot more interesting. Yes. But Maeve still seems firstly, she I think confirm self-aware well, well she's, the most, she's the most she's the most self-aware of you can't the confirm anything yeah, with this show exactly um so that that's that makes her interesting yeah but um also you know her motivation yeah yeah which we've touched on so yeah thanks for joining me matt uh, this was a now. very productive discussion oh, we, I thought. Co- we covered it a lot i think we, s- we talked a little rubbish yeah but um <laughs> um yeah i'll turn to the listeners i guess um what do you guys think um do you have any theories do you think my theory is has merit uh, let us know validate at... yeah va- how he's looking for some validation <laughs> yes guys yeah give email uh, on on your subject team howie <laughs> to spoiler to spoiler nation uh podcast at gmail.com uh or if it's five stars that would i would take that as validation as well on on itunes or whatever but uh um, easy to place yeah we'll check in on a west world again that's all folks live it up gotta live it up got no time for cooling on it's hard not to be in the shadow I wasn't the one who decided that we're giving up on giving up. You take it back because you can't get enough. You said it's what I decided, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more than silence. 
silence between us, silence, silence between us. It's gotta be more than silence, silence between us, silence, silence between us. The early days were the gone away. Take it back so we can have another chance To make up for the times I was missing But there's gotta be more, gotta be more than silence Silence between us, silence, silence between us It's gotta be more than silence, silence between us, silence Baby, I know. Baby, I know. 